1: This angel is so big, he's flapping his wings. He sounds like like a a noise of many waters, it says. His wings sound like the noise of many waters. And Ezekiel, he falls on his face. And John, we just read it, when he saw Christ, what did he do? He fell on his face like dead. Hey, even non-believers, when they get a glimpse of the glory of God, they even tremble. Remember in Daniel chapter 5? King Belshazzar, he looks around the room and he sees a hand of a man writing on the wall. And what happened? He started knocking his knees. And the Bible says he went potty on himself. <laughs> I didn't make this up. It's in the Bible. It is. Look at him. Not now, but do it later. So. When men come in contact with superhumans, man, stuff happens. And Daniel here in verse 7, you saw it. When he saw the angel, his vim and vigor left him, and he turned to frailty, and he had no strength. You know, I'm just amazed at people who say they saw the Lord, they died, and they went to heaven. They had a conversation with the Lord, and God told them to come back and tell the world the key to love is love. Whatever. Well, let's just love each other, kiss each other, hug each other, rub each other. This is what God told them. I don't believe it. No, he didn't. Because he didn't do that with anybody else in the Bible. He certainly ain't going to start with you. Everybody in the Bible that comes in contact with God, you know what happens? They wind up on their face. And that's the sermon. We don't have time for the night. But notice these guys who were with Daniel. They didn't see what Daniel saw. But apparently they saw something because it scared them. And they ran. And Daniel's standing there. And he's overwhelmed at what he saw. And you know what's amazing to me? You see this over and over in scripture. Two people in the same place experiencing the same thing and different reactions happen. Isn't that amazing? Acts chapter nine. Remember Dan- Daniel. Saul is on the road to Damascus going to kill the Christians. A bright light shines. And, and he falls down. And, and, and God, Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? I think he's saying, Lord of Stephen. Remember that Stephen guy? We just stoned him. We stoned him. We put blood was everywhere. And Stephen, he was a witness and a testimony. Who, who, who are you, Lord? Remember that? And the guys that were with him, they 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 fled. They saw a light, but the guys who were with Saul, they saw this flashlight, they heard something, but they didn't understand it. Two guys in the same place, not knowing, not having the same having the same experience, but but different reaction. We find the two the thieves on the cross. One's hanging on the right, one's hanging on the left. One of them says, Hey, you know, starts mocking Jesus. And the other one says, hey, Lord, when you get to heaven, would you remember me? Two people having the same experience in the same location at the same time, and they have different reactions. Hey, it happens here all the time. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, people hear the word. People get blessed. They walk out the door. Some people come up, Pastor Rodney, that was the best sermon I ever heard. Thank you very much. And then... <laughs> And then some people walk I can't believe I'll never come back to that church again. Happens all the time. And here we have the same situation here. No, nothing's changed. Daniel, he has an experience. He, he, he's there. He sees something. He he he's overwhelmed by the experience. But 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 the other guys, well, they ran. You know, someone once said this. It made me think of this. Uh, Someone once said, the same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. That's true. That's why people can come in and worship and sing and everything. And two people walk out and they go, one angry and the other one's like, I'm so broken and blessed. The same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. Look at verse 10. Suddenly... A hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly beloved. Underline that because you'll see it again in verse 19. O Daniel, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Poor Daniel, he's an old guy and he just... (laughs) He's like trembling. And then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day, now pay careful attention, saints, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael and one of his chief princes came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice the previous being. Now, these are two different beings. The previous being spoke like a voice of a multitude, But this being, notice, speaks audibly while Daniel was face down. And again, Daniel's an old guy. He's face down on his hands and on his knees, and he's touched by an angel. And the angel says, get up. And he gets up kind of trembling. You know, I believe in angels. I hope you do. The Bible says that we need to be careful how we entertain folks. Because you could be entertaining an angel and you don't know it. An angel unaware. Angels exist, and I believe that angels are involved in everyday life. Hey, you might be sitting next to an angel right now. Well, maybe not. <laughs> My husband, you don't know, ain't no angel. I got a lot of words for him, but angel ain't one of them. <laughs> Well, then the angel said, Daniel, get up. I've been sent to you. Notice this in verse 12. From the first day you started praying and humbled yourself, your prayers were heard in heaven and I packed up and I started heading your way. The angel says, Daniel, as soon as you started praying, I heard you. Boy, that should encourage you and I as believers. Do you understand that as soon as you start praying, God hears you? Do you understand that? As soon as you start praying, God hears you. As soon as you start praying about something, God listens. No interruptions, no disconnection, no satellites to deal with the operator saying, I'm sorry, your call's been disconnected. It happened to me a lot last week. They got terrible reception in Rochester, kept getting cut off. Not with God. You see, Daniel, as soon as you started praying, I heard you. Now understand something. God always answers prayer. Did you know that? Say amen. <laughs> God always answers prayer. He may say yes, he may say no, or he may say wait. You know. But God always, does God answer prayer? Of course he does. Now, he may not answer a prayer the way you think he ought to answer the prayer. He may not do what you think he should do because he is God and you are not. But God always answers prayer. He may say yes, he may say no, he may say wait because God is God and he knows. And I'm amazed at the people who say, well, you know, Pastor Rodney, he, they say, you know, um, you know, they, how many people get to the place in life and then they tell me, you know, well, there was nothing else to do but pray. I think to myself, that's an insult to God. Have you ever thought about that? Well, you know, after I've done my best, I've done everything I can do. And now, well, I just left to pray. Bummer. I got to pray. Boy, what an insult to God. A last resort. God is a last resort. Listen, if you knew how powerful the weapon of prayer is, God will be your first resort. See, we don't know. We don't know. If we understood that God was listening and God hears, no interruptions, no disconnections, God hears, prayer would be your first resort. And so the angel says, Daniel, as soon as I heard your prayers, I split. In other words, until you pray, the angel, I think, is sitting around with his bags packed waiting for you to pray so we can come and help you. And come and do something. He's like, hello. you got all these problems in life, all these situations. And the angels is like, hello, backpack on, cap, ready to go. And he's like, well, I'm just waiting for you to pray. And he's like, oh, well. And you're like, well, I better go try this. Well, I better go try that. Well, I better go call somebody. Well, I better do this and I better do that. And the angels like, hello, hello, I'm packed. I'm ready to go. (laughs) If you just say something, give the word. I just swoop on down and help you out, but we don't pray. You know James five sixteen. If you're taking notes, is a great one. The effectual fervent prayer. Don't you know this one? Say it with me. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If we know the verse, then why don't we do it? Why don't we pray? We should. And, you know, I'm confident that many people miss what God has for them because they aren't persistent in prayer. You see, remember, Daniel prayed for 21 days and he fasted for 21 days. You see the connection? (laughs) And so... We, the Bible says that we need to be persistent in prayer. Remember, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, Jesus said. That's persistence. God wants us to be persistent. And I'm confident that many people are not really being blessed and they're not moving forward in what God wants them to do because they're not being persistent. We give up so quickly. We live in such a fast-paced culture. Microwave this, microwave that. I want it now. I want it now. Versus take your time. Let God bless Take your time. Pray. Be persistent and wait. Jeremiah 29, 13, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You see, you need to seek him with your whole heart, not half your heart, not an eighth of your heart. But you seek him with your whole heart. Be persistent. Christians are so quick to give up. Persevere. And then notice in verse 11, as I had you underline it in your Bibles, the angel told Daniel, said, you are greatly beloved of God. Now, do you know there's only two men in the entire Bible that this was said to? Interesting. John, who wrote the book of Revelation, and Daniel, who wrote this book. And both books are prophetic. They speak to the future. So God gives them this term, you are greatly beloved of God. Now, let me take that back. John gave himself that term. You remember in the Gospel of John, he said he was a disciple that Jesus loved. It's like Abraham, who gave himself the term, he was the meekest man in the Bible. It's like, (laughs) does that strike you a little odd? (laughs) I'm the meekest man in the Bible. Well, we know that because Moses told us (laughs) that he was. (laughs) And so Daniel here God says you are greatly beloved, and John was greatly beloved. Interesting, both books are books of prophecy, books of the future. Then notice in verse 13 in your Bibles, the angel says, Daniel, the day you prayed, I was sent. Circle the word, but. You see that? The word, but. But the prince of Persia withstood me for 21 days, but Michael came to help. Now the prince of Persia. Who is that? That's a demonic being, if you're taking notes. Write that in your Bible. It's a demonic being who was dispatched by Satan and assigned to the area of Persia. It does seem that the Bible teaches there are demons that have responsibility to oversee and undermine regions, areas, territories, and even countries. It does seem that demons are given that assignment. I was watching a video from some kids who took a missions trip to Europe and in London, this area called the Green. All these goth kids, you know, the dark stuff and the black. Goth kids, Junior and I were watching it. These goth kids, they 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 whip each other in the public square like this place called the green whippings and, and there are cutters there they couldn't show that on video but these, these people these kids and there's you know satan's in causing them to do this where they're cutting themselves and offering themselves to satan you see, this is demons assigned to territories. I am convinced that there there is certainly a demon assigned to, to, to Europe. The religion is dead. They got these huge, massive churches. I've seen them that see thousands of people, and there's 20 people that go to church. Twenty. It's dead. There are demons assigned to cities, Philadelphia. My hometown, the city of brotherly love, I remember walking around looking into people's eyes, and I think, I, I think I, my wife was with me or somebody, and I said, do you see the death in their eyes, the deadness in their eyes, crack, pornography, drug addiction, demons assigned to Los Angeles, pick a city, demons assigned to San Francisco. Demons, it seems the Bible teaches they have this territorial responsibility, and apparently, according to our text, this is a demon assigned to Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And Daniel is learning something that I think we Christians would do well to learn: there are demonic rulers in the heavenly places. Did you know that, saints? Did you know that there are demonic rulers, and there is conflicts in heaven. Revelation chapter 12 tells us that one third of the angels fell with Satan and rebelled and became demons and they don't like you. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. Two thirds of them didn't fall with Satan. So for every demon, there are at least two good angels. You see that? So one demon and two angels, even in our text, are fighting this battle. Listen, Satan on his best day can't come close to the champ. It says good news. Now there's a lot of talk about territorial. Let me just kind of address this really quickly. Um, there's a lot of talk about territorial demons and waging war in cities. Have you ever heard anything about this? Please raise your hand so I know if I'm talking to. You. Oh, good. Then not that many know. So let me inform you. So you can stay away from it. There's a lot of talk about territorial demons, what I'm talking about tonight, territorial demons. And these demons are, and, and they say that we are to wage war on the city. We're, as Christians, because of territorial demons, we're to wage war on the town or wage war on the country. And they say that, you know, there's a whole movement, believe it or not, that you got to go in and you got to get the name, rank, and serial number of these demons. And you got to talk to the demons. Let me encourage you to do something here. Don't talk to demons, saints. Talk to God. Don't talk to demons. Talk to God. You know, I've heard of people, you know, talking to demons and asking demons questions. You know, what kind of demon are you? And, you know, I'm a demon of lying. Is that all? Yep. I'm telling the truth. And uh, <laughs> how, many, how many demons are with you? Demon of lying? Well, just me. Are you telling the truth? Yep, sure. I sure am. Okay, okay. Come out. Come out. This is ridiculous. This is the kind of stuff that happens. I kid you, I'm not making, that story is true. Listen, the simple, don't talk to demons. What did I just say? Say it with me. Don't talk to demons, talk to God. That's all you need to know. I want to tell you more, but I don't have time. One last thing. Daniel chapter 10 is the text that these people will take you to. To tell you, see, it's right there, territorial demons. Let me tell you, there's not one shred of scriptural evidence for demon chasing or Christians hunting for demons or calling them out of, out of out of cities. They'll take you to Daniel chapter 10, but I will take them to Daniel chapter 10 and tell them my point exactly. Here in Daniel chapter 10, did you notice the battle's taking place in heaven and not on earth? In Daniel chapter 10, the battle involves one demon, two angels, and not one single human. God doesn't say, Daniel, you know, I got a problem. I sent an angel, but he got held up. So Daniel, could you go handle the demons for me? Would you mind? I'd appreciate that. That's not what happens. You see, if God had a problem, <laughs> he wouldn't send you. <laughs> he sent the Terminator. That's 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 Michael, the archangel. I call him the Terminator, man. Michael don't mess around. He wouldn't send you. What you going to do? Go there and get beat up? (laughs) No, that's not God. Now, don't get me wrong. There's absolutely a spiritual battle going on that we are involved in. Amen, Christians? You understand that. But you got to realize that there's a spiritual battle going on. There are real demons seeking to hinder you and to destroy you, but also... The battle isn't for us, and the battle is with the enemy. The battle's not, you know, in your home, the battle's not with your husband. The battle's not with your wife. The battle's not with your kids. The battle's not with a brother or sister at church. The battle is certainly not with the pastor. The battle is with the enemy. And if you don't hear strategy, war strategy 101, we're in a battle, and we have to suit up for the battle. But we also first need to understand that who our enemy is. You first got to understand who the enemy is. You can't fight an enemy that you don't know. His tactics. But we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We understand in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, it tells us to put on the full armor of God, that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. See, the battle, we need to suit up for it and understand that the battle's not with flesh and blood. It's not with your husband, not with your wife, it's not with flesh and blood. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. They're not carnal. You know, if your weapons were carnal and Satan were fleshy, then you have a chance, but you don't have a chance fighting Satan, especially with carnal weapons. You got to use spiritual weapons. And so put on the full arm of God that you might be able to stand the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, gird your loins with truth and have your feet prepared and, shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Always be ready to go tell people about Jesus and tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so in verse 14 through 21, let me wrap it up. Now I've come to make you understand. What will happen to your people in the latter days? For the vision refers to many days yet to come. And when he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face to the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men, touched my lips. And then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I've retained no strength. How can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is there any beneath breath left in me. And then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, "O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. I'm going to go back and get in a fight. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. That's interesting. We'll talk about the next time. But I'll tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Isn't it interesting that everything just kind of boils down to the scripture of truth? That'd be the word. That'd be what God says. All this spiritual battles and territorial demons and all of these things. You know what, saints, it all comes back to the word of God. People get all caught up in all of this. You know what? That's why, keep it simple. People have left Calvary Chapel and they have come back to Calvary Chapel and said, man, you guys are still teaching verse by verse, huh? Kid you not. I said, what else is there to teach? Don't misunderstand me. I think topicals are great, but I just think everything gets back to the Word, so why don't we just stay in it?
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923.